Hello friends, how's it going? It's Matt, you listen to Looking Sideways Action Sports Podcast, the show where we examine life through the lens of skateboarding, snowboarding, surfing and other related endeavours. Thank you for tuning in to this episode, I hope you enjoy it. I'm in the shed, it's raining again, I thought those days were over, but here we are. Um, so this episode, well this is a really great chat with Lucy Small and Maddie Meddings, about their ace new film, Yammer Surf. Now, regular listeners to the show will probably remember Lucy, who I chatted to a couple of years ago after she gained prominence for speaking up about gender inequality in surfing in a post-competition speech which went viral. And since then, it's been actually really heartening to see Lucy continue to lead this conversation, but very much on her own terms and in a way that continues to move things forward. She went on to co-found a campaign for gender equality in sport, which called on the New South Wales government to make equal prize money and equal opportunity, a precondition for sports club and organisations if they were going to receive government funding. That's the type of thing Lucy's been up to actually out there making a difference no wonder she describes herself as actually an activist these days surfing wise she's also been on the cover of tracks which is symbolic in itself considering that title's historical treatment of women and she's also picked up sponsorship from brands who are supporting her to make projects such as this latest one yammer surf which is a full collaboration with maddie meddings a filmmaker from cornwall and the duo met online and they travelled to Ghana to make this film together with Lucy producing, writing and narrating and Maddie writing, directing and producing. I think, to be honest, they both pulled this whole thing together as a, a complete tale of creative openness and collaboration, which is what's really great about this story. Now, obviously, the film itself is brilliant and very interesting. And that's something that we did talk about. But I was really interested in this theme of creativity. Um, it is something that gets discussed a lot on the podcast and increasingly more so on Substack as regular readers will know and I'd really liked hearing in this conversation how the pair devised and created this project as they went we often talk on the show about you don't need permission um, and how overcoming that can be the trickiest part of any creative project and um, Maddie and Lucy are are a really brilliant example of how you can make that work for yourself and Yammer Surf is brilliant it explores the female surf and skate scenes in ghana explores ghana's hitherto untold surf history and as lucy and maddie put it challenges the historic representation of ghanaians in a story of reclamation and joy they also focus on the work of two incredibly impressive locals sandy alibo i think that's correct of surf ghana and justice Quofi of obanini girls surf club apologies if i've pronounced those wrong um these two have big roles in the film And um, yeah, it's amazing to see what they're up to. And I found the thread of the conversation where um, Lucy and Maddie explain that Sandy and Justice are aware of the uniqueness of their position and are are almost trying to create the Ghanaian surf industry without the built-in prejudices that um, somebody like Lucy is having to dismantle so many generations later. Um, And overall, the film proposes that the small community of surfer girls in Ghana's West region western region sorry are reclaiming their relationship with the atlantic ocean after hundreds of years of disruption due to colonial occupation so yeah it's a it's quite a story it's embellished by maddie's beautiful cinematography and unique eye and of course lucy's incredibly aesthetically pleasing surfing the result is a compelling surf film that tells a new tale of african surfing and what is rapidly becoming lucy and i imagine from this point lucy and maddie's trademark style i very much enjoyed it um 
And as myself and Lucy have stayed in touch after our last chat, we decided to sit down and record this episode in April 2023, during which they told me about the whole project themselves. So here it is. I'll be back at the end. But here's me, Maddie and Lucy. Yammer surf. Enjoy. Literally. <laughs> well, you might. You, you, you might. You might be holding it. Okay. I think oh. I just have to accept I'm going to hold it. I just need to stay still because otherwise it's going to be variable volume. Is that okay that sound- like that? Yeah, that sound sounds like- fine. Yeah, it sounds okay, fine. Great. It sounds fine. Okay. Yeah, I've had one guest refuse to hold the mic because obviously we did ours in- over Zoom as well, didn't we, Lucy, a couple of years ago? And, yeah. Um, in fact, we did it on this thing as well, I think. But anyway, like, yeah. so I, I normally do them in person. Yeah, and I did one with a with a guest a bloke you won't be surprised to hear who uh who was just like I'm not holding that and I was a bit like okay oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah I was really I was really baffled and he was really fucked off he's like what you didn't bring a mic stand and I was like well well no like I just thought you could use your hand and uh we're he was so really, lazy now aren't we? he was really not happy he was like well I don't I don't want to hold that um and then Owen the photographer that I worked with who was there ran and got a pint glass um oh, and yeah. empty pint and 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 was like well and he was like okay that'll do i was like fucking hell tough crowd <laughs> jesus is, i is feel that, like that's um... what i did last time in pint glass yeah <laughs> oh, this, yeah. this 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 is working what were you saying maddie i was gonna say is that owen made up on instagram yes yeah, yeah, yeah he's yeah. so good i really like his stuff yeah he's great he's a Lovely. he's a talent if he could mm. if he knew how to promote himself he'd uh which a very common theme for creatives, I think, isn't it? You know, oh, he's yeah. he's fucking useless at promoting himself. Um, <laughs> which for for me, who's like a big cheerleader of his, is like quite maddening because I see a lot of people who are a tenth of his talent, but you know, really good at promotion, doing really really well. He's doing mm. really well as well. But I'm always a bit like, come on, dude, fucking sort your shit out, mm. get mm. better at that. But it's hard, isn't it? Well, so and good. Good segue. Um, so yeah. this is this is a two a two woman show. You've produced it, you've directed it, you've filmed it, and now you're promoting it. Like, so how's it been? How's the promo bit been? Have you been? We'll talk about the film, obviously, in a sec. But how are you finding it? Because you know you're in the Parliament Building. Are you in Canberra? Then is that where you are, Lucy? No, I'm in the um in Australia. We have a lot of governments, so we have our federal parliament, our federal government, and then we have so you in New South states Wales have their own own government yeah so i'm in the new south wales parliament in sydney yeah um, and maddie you're in court you're in new key so you got a got a nine hour time difference to throw in to try and organize all this so how's it been yeah the promo stuff <laughs> do you want to go first yeah it's been great the thing about having the nine hour pr- um time difference is that you can work on the project 24 7 because there's always someone awake <laughs> is that a yeah, good thing jesus <laughs> you don't need to sleep i don't know if it's a good thing (laughs) while you're sleeping there's someone else working but um the promo has been amazing it's been awesome like we've just had the best response and we've had so many people um you know wanting to cover the premiere and the um the launch of the project and um we've been doing podcasts and trying to line up time zones with sydney UK and uh, the US is pretty hard. <laughs> yeah. I think there's only yeah, one. Yeah, that was hard. It's like, <laughs> it's 
it's only one time a day when everyone's awake and it's like I don't know six six a.m. or something Sydney time. <laughs> yeah, at least at least the UK and Australia is like morning evening so it's sort of do it's, mm. it's actually yeah. quite doable isn't it you know so me and maddie it's like eight o'clock in the morning here and what is it five-ish for you lucy right yeah now? yeah just gone five yeah so that's that's still fine isn't it but yeah like i was doing this project like last year where there was somebody in like the, on the west coast somebody on the east coast i'm in the uk there's someone in new zealand um so i was having to basically be up at midnight which is a fucking right pain I've got to be honest um it is a pain especially when you're like just hammering away all day working you're like oh some breaths and then you're like oh no yeah no no <laughs> yeah. Got, the call, got the call got the call at midnight yeah got to do that yeah well thanks for doing it because I know I know it's been a bit of a faff sorting this out um but yeah film's great I actually just rewatched it um and yeah it's really great so let's let's get that bit out of the way like um I guess my first question is, and I know you've sort of talked about this a lot, so I hope you don't mind going over it again. Um, where was it you that sort of found the story, Lucy, originally? Yeah, so basically, um, I was, I, it kind of, the whole, so much of the project was dependent on um, social media contacts, which is amazing. Um, but I followed a social media account called Surf Ghana, um, I had for a few years. And a friend of mine, I've got a friend from Ghana and um, she'd always told me about it and um, I knew there were waves there. So when Project Blank came to me with um, the idea for me to make a film, they basically said you can just make it whatever you want. Um, I was like, this is my, well, first of all, I was like, oh, my God, am I going to the Middle East? Should I go to the Pacific? What should I do? And then finally I... I landed on on Ghana because I thought like the story already existed, so I didn't. Ha- there wasn't a um, a kind of like trying to drum up a story or try and find a story because I wanted to go to the place. I knew that there was a story already there, so uh, that was basically what kind of drove the decision to do that. And um, so I sent a message to the Surf Ghana Instagram account and just said, like, you know, hello, interested in coming yeah, to make a film. I'm up for it. Yeah, yeah. And um, on the other end of the DM was Sandy Alibo, who um, basically we wouldn't have been able to do the project without her. Like, she is the founder of Surf Ghana and she's featured in the film and she's Yeah, really- she's great. She's yeah. so – she the, the, like, her interview where she – I mean, she's formidable, right? Like, like really lays it all out, like pretty, pretty clearly. Um, and yeah, like just super impressive woman, right? Yeah. Yeah, she's amazing. Yeah. And she was just like, in terms of like, you know, figuring out the project before I had found Maddie. So it was just was sort of like six months of talking with her and we met on Zoom and she's very, really good at kind of just um you know guiding the way that she thought we should represent Ghana and the people in the film and um the angle that when the approach that we should take to the story and so yeah that was really like she was very um she basically just like yeah pushed us pushed me in the way to to kind of do the story in the way that we did um yeah <clears throat> And then also in terms of like organizing, putting us in touch with all the right people and 
um, all that kind of thing. She was, yeah, really, really amazing. Yeah, because you, you, you give her like a sort of story coordinator credit, don't you? I think, or some, something yeah. similar. Like you give her like a key credit as like, actually, we couldn't have done it without without this person. Yeah. Um, sorry, Maddie, I jumped in then. What were you going to say? I was just going to say, I just remembered like a really, I thought such a good example. I feel like the moment when I kind of realized how developed all her ideas were around like what she was doing with the skate club and like her vision for the future was there was one day where we were meant to be filming at the skate park and we came in early in the morning and we walked in on like a team meeting and there was a guy in the team meeting and he kind of said um he was like look they were talking about the fact that they've got this women's only session in the afternoon on Thursdays from 3 p.m till the evening and um he was like what if I'm a single dad, I want to drop my daughter off and I want to watch her and make sure she's safe. Um, but I have to be, I'm being sent away because there's not allowed to be any men. And she was just amazing. She was like, no, it's not your time. You have every other hour in the week, but this time it's for girls only. She was like, the girls, it's not, it's not the girl's responsibility to look after that little girl, but there will be eyes on her. And like, you, you just don't have a right to be there for those specific hours. And for me, that's when it just came together. I was like, wow this she's you know she's really like pushing it in such a such a good direction and yeah I was it was I found it I was so inspired I was like I want to be like Sandy <laughs> yeah that I I felt the same like that conversation we were just sitting there and like on the couch on just the side going, like- okay there's <laughs> <laughs> and she yeah just the the kind of um interrogation of the idea of whether there can be dad's watching um during the girls only time and mm. yeah they kind of you know it was a it was a complicated it was a complex idea because it would, a yeah. problem because there's issues of ex- accessibility if a single dad can't bring their daughter because he can't be there but then there's the idea that he is a dad to that daughter but he's a man to everybody else and it changes the, mm. the whole co- like uh, concept of a safe space and yeah. um, just seeing how they were navigating that conversation was yeah. really awesome. And um, Sandy, I mean, she just has such a clear vision, and that's what makes her yeah. so inspiring because she she can see what the play, what can be, and she's just got so much energy to move towards that and to make it happen. Yeah. What, what what's the forgive me? Like I can't remember his name. The lad that runs the camp down the coast. Justice. Yeah, so I was going to ask this question. So Justice and Sandy both make the point um, about that the ideas that they're exploring through the work are actually quite challenging for Ghanaian society in a lot of ways, like because they're reframing the role of women. Like mm-hmm. that's fair, isn't it? You know, like so. I, I, I guess the question I had from watching the film again a second time today was, like Lucy, obviously you've become pretty well known in the last few years in the surf industry for for for, for the story you're trying to tell about like you know um women's role in the surf industry and in and in and you've become a bit of a figurehead for that and in the west like it's it's still quite a challenging and risky conversation risky in inverted commas like to put yourself out there to to make that argument in our society where we're you know nominally like extremely progressive about these ideas so i just wondered like what the comparison is with 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 that in ghana like is it can, can you draw a parallel between like how we have the conversation here and how they have the conversation in in Ghana? Is it is it very different? Are the, are the ideas generally accepted in the same way that they are here? You, I think you 
you understand what I'm asking, right? Like, is 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 yeah, it something yeah. that you can yeah. you could speak to? Yeah, I think it's um it's it's different in the sense that the people that I am sort of sticking sticking my neck out in front of in terms of the surf industry at home is they're surf industry people and it's those yeah. rusted on attitudes of what the surf industry is and how the surf industry how they want the surf industry to be and how lineups should be and who gets to be in what place and how much money they should get and how much support and opportunity whereas in Ghana it's the Sandy and Justice are building the surf industry so it's yeah. them who get to drive what those attitudes are so I think that and both both Sandy and Justice you, they're well aware of that and that they have the opportunity to build something that doesn't develop with those really sort of asymmetrical ideas of of who of who can do what in in the industry that they wow. build okay. but I think that they come up against a different set of um challenges that we also face at home too and there is a commonality of that of ideas of what women should be doing generally and you know it's more accepted at home that um women can be out there being silly in the water and playing and having fun or whatever putting off their career or putting off a family or if or, or never having a family and in favor of going surfing but there is still resistance we still face that resistance generally yeah so i think it there's there's probably more of that in ghana that that the women and girls have to overcome um yeah. as opposed to like the resistance within the industry yeah i mean one of the things that struck me about our last conversation lucy and seeing the work that you you've been doing it felt like it seemed like you still felt you were taking a risk you know which I think as a man you don't even really consider I think blokes are so used to just being like well I can say what I want like there's gonna be no pushback on me like I'm I can like operate how I want in this society whether it's like wider society or the surf industries it's kind of made for you isn't it so I think men don't really see a lot of the decisions that women have to make to even put themselves in a position that you've put yourself in um so it just it, it's been really interesting in your case watching how because in the film you describe yourself as an activist like quite quite consciously is that is that a new thing that you've kind of embraced that term yeah so I just became an activist when um I basically found out what an activist is when I was already being an activist, <laughs> like following the um, the equal prize money speech back in 2021 and then launching Equal Pay for Equal Play, um, kind of I just found myself in this position of activism and just thought, well, I'm not going to let the opportunity pass. Like I've got the chance to make change, I'm going to do it. So, yeah, I think like... There, there's always risk and there's always uh, there, to be outspoken about anything you're always going to face like it, you're always going to face people that don't agree with you and don't support what you're saying and often those people are in positions of power and influence so that can be a challenge like for example <clears throat> um, there are like the campaigning that I do around gender equality in surfing and in sport generally. 
probably preclude me from any time in the near future ever being hired by the WSL, for example, because if you want to be hired on a freelance basis by an organisation like the WSL, which is how most of their employment happens, they don't want to hire somebody that has called out what they do. So that there's <laughs> there's always that kind of risk. And, you just, I mean, I've just basically accepted it because my career is not in the surf industry other than being a surfer um, now. <laughs> um, but for people that they you know they are reliant on working for brands and working in the industry that it it's probably it's a harder thing to do to be outspoken about things because in a in a world that empl- employment is so precarious that you're going yeah. contract to contract it's just as important to be easy to work with as it is to be good at what you do and people view calling people out and you know, being annoying in the way that you are constantly bringing up issues of inequality, maybe as not being so easy to work with or not, um, you know, being beneficial to what they're trying to trying to do. So there's definitely that. Um, and That's... I mean, I just embrace it. I just, I'm um, like, whatever. WSL does, is not, WS, I don't want to work for WSL, so it's not an issue. But if like the, I think that I've really found is that it's, kind of all the people it's brought closer people that are more that are aligned with what I'm trying to do yeah. it's, it's like I've been able to build a coalition and and a community of people who are incredibly supportive and the people who are not they would never they're not really in my world anyway you know sorry Mads what yeah. were you going to say I was just going to say it's so interesting hearing you explain it like that because I feel like um I almost feel like some people <clears throat> kind of forget when they like work with people who are activists or that when they when they work with them those people aren't just a front like you can't just have the activist and then not expect them to kind of also get at you about things they think they will not get at you but like bring up things that they think you're doing wrong and like we we kind of had like a little situation didn't we where you called out something and somebody wasn't happy with it and it's like yeah but you know you get you're getting the whole package like just because you're you know we're making a film about about gender equality activism but that doesn't we're not just going to make the film and then not have all those values like to back it as well Mm. and I almost think sometimes people buy into that that side of you but kind of forget that actually that that eye that always watching eye is is not um you know it's not just going to switch off because we're working with you you know yeah I mean I find that that's one of the themes personally I think the work you guys are doing with this film and some like there's like I harp on about the big C quite a lot but I've been quite involved with the the big C film which is Mm -hmm. going on about neoprene like uh, exposing the neoprene thing and one of the things that I find really fascinating about that and it's related to what we're talking about is um like the it's called values gap you know like the gap I'm sure you probably know this term but the gap between like your like avowed intentions and the reality of how you behave and that's so fascinating in surfing isn't it because currently surfing right now is very much marketing itself and the wsl i would include in that as 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 progressive you know like there's a lot of comms and press about like equal pay when it comes to wsl 
And then at the brand level, there's loads of com- there's loads of chat about how green everything is, how ecological and how sustainable everything is. But the reality of it is that you've just made you know what you've just said, Lucy, is correct. And I, I have the same experience. Like that's all fine until someone's actually going to stick the neck out and start saying, actually, you might want to do this differently. Then you find you like people actually don't want to hear that conversation. It's been really similar with the big C, like deafening silence from the brands about this huge huge issue like just ignoring it like whereas you would think that if you, if you're one of your credentials is like hey we're very sustainable and we're very like green and environmental there's a very handy issue through which to demonstrate that commitment but instead the reality is it's being ignored and like you say the reality is that anybody rattling cages in any slight way does get impacted and it does reveal the fact that a lot of it's smoke and mirrors and bullshit yeah people want to listen up to a point and then it's like okay we've had enough now and it's sort of like well no that's not that's not how it works and the ULEX thing is so ridiculous too because it's like if everyone if everyone switched the amount that the technology would progress it would probably be indistinguishable from neoprene within a matter of years if everyone took it on and tried to push the technology so it's sort of like I don't understand why people aren't willing to even listen you know well i think i think you put your finger on it when you said that like people are prepared to listen to a point but when it actually comes to something Mm. that might impact their own either self-image or sales and so i i use self-image in the in the wsl example like Mm. then then it's that's when it's put your money where your mouth is time isn't it so i just I, i it's just a theme i've been thinking about with these topics like it's quite a fascinating insight into the reality of it really and obviously you see that like, writ large across all society i mean we've all, we've all got those personal values gaps as well mm. and we've we certainly got them in you know look at the world cup like oh that's really bad but yeah. i'm gonna watch it anyway <laughs> you know because yeah. the football's on and it's great but like, we can forget about all those migrant workers now we've we've talked about that but i'm still gonna watch it you know it's mm. it's just it's, it's interesting isn't it um but on the so the other thing I, I really kind of noticed again rewatching the film today is it's only 20 minutes, but you pack a lot in there. You know, obviously you're telling the story about um about the 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 local initiatives in Ghana. It's a story about you guys going there, but then you make the connection to slavery, colonialism, you know, there's and and it's done really elegantly. It's not it's not like it's not like rammed down your throat. It's it's like it, it's quite undeniable and, and you manage to connect it to what's going on with the surf community on the ground so was the was the was that why this was an appealing project to you maddie like because you were able to to sort of marshal these themes into a surf film yeah i i think they were sort of they were themes that we were thinking about prior to going there um anyway because we but we were more sort of aware that you know, we we just wanted to be really sort of really thoughtful in the way that we approached it. But then actually, I think once we were in Ghana, it was just impossible to ignore it. And, and we wouldn't have wanted to because it's so it, it's, it's really visual, but also just, you know, you're constantly reminded of the fact that like, you know, this history that is, you know, that we might be ashamed of, is actually a huge part of Ghana's history as well. And I think to not include it would have just been such a disservice. And so um, 
yeah, I think that I think we kind of as we were there, it was just it was just so obvious that it was something that we needed to speak about. And then as we got back and kind of went through the footage all again, it was like, you know, we can make we can make this work. And also we chatted to um, uh, Kevin Dawson quite a lot, who whose book we found um, really helpful with kind of like, you know, just linking the history to current day. And um yeah, I think it was just one of those things that we couldn't have ignored it, even if we'd wanted to, but we also definitely wouldn't have wanted to. It was it was so key in, in the story, or it felt like it was to us anyway. Yeah. Was that one of the have reasons you- why you chose Ghana, Lucy? Because you because you mentioned you had a I mean, it sounds like you had a bit of a blank slate, really, you know, like you it's your sponsor, right, that gave you the opportunity to sort of to sort of carry out this project was 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 like were you looking for this slightly weightier story to tell yeah I think um I I, before we went I didn't have a real knowledge of the history like of the the sort of history of Ghana but like the surf history element was sort of was something that we kind of learnt about a bit later um I had I, I knew that there there was a um, a kind of a counter history of surfing that had developed out of West Africa generally, but not that was what we explored more in depth later. And kind of, um, yeah, we had this, it was a cool conversation we had when we were over there actually, where Maddie goes, we're sitting there, Maddie goes, I think, what's the link? I think the link is that it's about reclamation <laughs> and that was <laughs> that was ended up kind of being a real key theme about it's a you know like what is happening now is a like a reclamation of that of that history and the ocean space and but I definitely I couldn't have done a project that was not uh you know that didn't have some kind of uh really like deep themes involved in it and um after the premiere in sydney a few of my friends were like oh it got to the part where you said white male gaze and we were like oh yeah this is (laughs) there she is (laughs) (laughs) do you know someone walked out of my premiere when that bit came on (laughs) really someone someone walked out yeah, I don't know. Wow. It, might, it might have been completely unrelated. I actually don't know because there was, I think there was just a just going like, to the toilet. No one was walking out. That's what I mean, though, when I say that it was, I use the word elegant because I do think that you, they're not the usual themes that you get in surf films, firstly. Um, and and that, and I, I was also kind of waiting for it a little bit because obviously I know you a bit, Lucy, and I'm aware you work. So I was a bit like, I'm, I was waiting to see like where the where the kind of, where you were going to tackle some of the bigger themes, and and you know like they are quite challenging concepts for a lot of people in the surf community to 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 engage with, you know that like the white male gaze in the context of African colonialism is not a common topic, and and it's and it's probably something that most. <laughs> people people don't don't really know about really don't even understand you know it won't won't be something that they've engaged with um and i really thought the way that you pulled it together with that section at the end about reclamation was was mm. really brilliantly done because it because it did tie it all together it did it did basically make it certainly made me think yeah that is that that this does make sense like it is cohesive like as an idea and a, and a concept like the way that you the way that you pulled it together so what's the reaction been 
Yeah, it's um, it's been awesome. I think just going back to that, I think it was a, I think the way that it came together was basically as a result of the collaborative way that we wrote the script and the way that we, it was like, I yeah, I mean, I took a first swipe at the voiceover and then Maddie fixed it <laughs> or I made, you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> no, like in terms of like the actual writing of the, yeah. what it was, I, I, I felt like we both brought, we, we just brought um, really different approaches to it in a way that kind of made it uh, so much better. Um, and so I think that that was really a product of, of how there's only been two of us working on it and we were able to just basically collaborate on every stage and yeah. having our two minds to to develop something that made sense and, and yeah, could work. I think uh, that's one part of the film, and I haven't really, we haven't really chatted about this before, but, like, that was one part that I felt we navigated really well. Like, it, the, the work relationship was so great. Like, I never felt, if ever we had, like, constructive feedback for each other I think that there was very few times where I was like I don't agree you know I think most of the time I was like oh yeah you know that's right and I think that's looking back on it I think the way that we were able to work together especially when there were like really high pressure situations and you know the time difference was can could have been an issue sometimes but actually I, I feel like that was something that we we navigated super well and like with friends now. Yeah, I found it like I found it amazing that we hadn't met before we landed in Accra in Ghana. And we did this two and a half weeks together that we were just like together the entire time and working creatively and sometimes in pretty um trying conditions. And we got along great and it was so yeah. fun. And then we came back and we just spent like, yeah, from November till March working day in and day out on putting the film together together. And our creative, um, like the way that we worked creatively and communicated, it was amazing. I thought it was, yeah. I was like, I can't believe how good that was. Every time Maddie would say <laughs> yeah. something, I, I think we should do it this way, I'd be like, oh, yeah, that's a really good idea. Let's do that. And <laughs> And I felt like it was, yeah, it was a really good collaborative relationship. So thanks, Mads. Yeah, no, well, that's, well that, that, that's also pretty rare, though. It's also quite punchy to just, because you met, I'm, I'm all right in thinking that you were chatting on Instagram and then, yeah. And then, like, yeah. let's go to Ghana together, you know, which is, and, but then to, like, I mean, that would be, even if you were just going to go surfing it, you'd be a bit like, oh, am I going to get on with this person? Like, three, yeah. three weeks. Like, but then, like, and we're going to make this film and we don't, we're going to like it's it's definitely not a given that you're going to get on so it sounds like yeah. for you two the fact that the fact that you've actually had this really lovely relationship creatively and personally mm -hmm. is a key part of the whole experience then by the sounds of it yeah yeah totally and good. as before we had even premiered we're like I'm like I'm starting a spreadsheet we're getting our next project <laughs> <laughs> underway <laughs> can't wait to use all, all this new things that I've learned on the next one so um yeah. yeah definitely been a key part of it and I think we wouldn't have been able to make what we have made without um having that really good working relationship and so how much of a plan did you have <laughs> <laughs> well so <laughs> So I'm 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 in the credits as the producer, 
but um, when we were sitting in Accra at a <laughs> bar, I was like, hey, Maddie, so what's a producer? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. no, no. No one actually knows. They're all fucking made up. Those, well, those, um, I know now. Now I well, I know what I did. <laughs> um, and I forgot what the question was. <laughs> did you have a plan? But it sounds like oh, you yeah. didn't. Um, well, yeah, yeah. It was pretty. We had a plan in terms of like where we were going to go and who we were going to meet with and what was going to kind of make up the story. But it was very unprescriptive. Like we hadn't, Maddie had a bit of a shot list of things that she, of ideas. And um, I had a vision in my mind of what I was trying to make with no idea, with a big gap between um, the the vision and the skills and the, ex- the execution element. Um, but we basically I'm so glad that we did it the way we did in terms of going pretty just we're just going to go and we're going to see what the real story is because that meant that we weren't trying to take the story there and mold it to fit into what we already had um, pre-designed and that Mm. I'm so glad that we did that because we were able to go oh okay this is kind of actually what is a really key theme and a key um thing that keeps coming up and that is actually really what the story is and we had the freedom to do that and we didn't have the plan um already you know designed and we were trying to sort of retrofit it or anything like that Um, yeah I think that's and that's one of the things I'm sure we'll kind of like look back on this project and it will be one of the things that is kind of magical about it for us is that it um because this was the first time either of us had made something like longer form. Um, it was, we very much had that kind of like the gutsiness of people who just had no idea what they were doing. (laughs) And so a lot of things unfolded in front of us and we were able to be really sort of, you know, really flexible with the way that we approached them and, 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 you know, it just have a, have a completely kind of fresh set of eyes in terms of filmmaking. And I'm, I like, I'm sure as we kind of make more films, we'll obviously know what we're doing a bit more and have more of a plan and and um, have sort of structures in place for like getting more shots and things like that. But I I do think that was it was kind of great because we kind of yeah we're just looking at it from a complete sort of perspective of someone who had who just didn't know what to do basically, and it was like right well. Well, <laughs> well I think that that's that, that's sorry, Lucy. I'll just quickly say like I, that. that that's great though because i think with the creativity there's this assumption that there's there's always a a plan you know like Mm -hmm. and there's always there's all there's also that trope of like you know the divine inspiration like blah 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 and everyone knows what they're doing and if you haven't got that really clear idea then you don't have a right to do anything creative you know it's a very like powerful ingrained idea in certainly in in our culture and i think the fact that the reality I think is more like what you've experienced where you have a bit of an idea and you, and you kind of, and then you work it out as you go. I, I just think that's how most things get made really, mm-hmm. but no one ever really talks about it. And no one ever, <laughs> no, no, no one really demystifies it to the point where they're happy to admit they didn't know what a producer was. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm not trying <laughs> to take the piss with that. I just think it's, it's like it, that that's, that's a good thing for people to hear because I think that, 
that puts a lot of people off doing stuff, doesn't it? You know, this idea, well, I don't really have the right, mm. I don't really know what I'm doing, therefore, yeah. you know, but that's that's how good stuff gets made, ultimately. And I don't think yeah. it'll be different with your next project. <laughs> I think <laughs> it'll be the same, won't it? Well, <laughs> probably. <laughs> but yeah, I think it, um, I think it was so, I, yeah, I think it was so cool to do it that way because like so a lot of people who have watched the film now have said, it was seemed really authentic, like it came across really authentic. And I feel like that's because it is, basically. Like we didn't we didn't contrive up the story or and manufacture it to make it into a, something that we wanted it to be. We just went there and we met these awesome people and we filmed it and we turned it into into the story and, the, and we put it together in the way we did. And I feel like that's really nice feedback for people and it's kind of um yeah, I guess you can kind of tell that we were just doing what we were doing. And then, um, oh, I was going to make another point and it's just gone out of my mind. <laughs> I think- that's, pod- that's podcasting. <laughs> As I was going to say, like, I think uh, it's always tempting with um, filmmaking, especially in because there were sort of situations that we kind of came up against and it meant that some of the filming might be more difficult than it otherwise would be um like one example is the girls they basically only they've got school all day and then they only surf from about three till six or something and it's whatever the waves whatever the weather they just go out and surf then so we always had a really limited window with them and I think looking when I was in the editing process some of the so I could kind of either choose to be like shooting on land or shooting in the water and maybe my housing might have fogged up, which it happened all the time. Um, or like, you know, all the, all these different things. And it meant that when I look back on some of the shots, I think, oh, they're not like the most sort of cinematic shots <clears throat> I could have gotten. But actually it's kind of, I, we know what the situation was and it would have been tempting maybe to kind of script and plan a few more scenes but that is maybe where the air of authenticity comes from because we literally didn't, we didn't like, you know, set up anything. It was just all, the only thing was the interviews. We kind of got the guys to sort of sit down and talk. But Mm. other than that, it was all very much just capturing as we went. So, yeah. (laughs) I think also like in terms of the way that you, um, you sort of structure like a documentary, um, only found out like after we had finished that there's like a pretty standardized way that you structure a documentary and yeah. <laughs> that's like you know it's in three parts you've got your setup you've got your friction and then you've got your lessons learned at the end and and also that you get these you you should be getting the people in that are in the film to be sort of stopping to reflect on the moment um as they go and that is kind of what you what you do maybe we'll do that next time we didn't do that because I didn't we didn't know that's what you do but I feel like I'm actually really now really glad that we did it the way that we did because a like the first thing was that um I think if we had done it in the way that it was like stopping for me to reflect on the moment as we went then the film would have been a lot more about me Mm-hmm. And I like some of the people that have watched it have said the thing I really liked was that it was really centered on the story and the people and like yeah. the surf Ghana. And I was there, but it actually wasn't about me. And 
I'm just so glad that that's what we did and it wasn't just a sequence of my reflections and that the audience is not then experiencing me in the moment all the time and it's actually a lot more about the people who are actually in the, involved in the project there in Ghana. And I think I just feel like I'm really glad that it ended up that way and if we'd had that but prior knowledge we probably it probably would have been difficult and we would have had a pretty different film too yeah i mean that's yeah. always the way it's usually done isn't it here i am in africa a white person like bringing my perspective to this so that's just the way it's always done isn't it you know i mean that raises an interesting question there though um because what you're talking i mean this is again really like if about how you approach creativity isn't it because there are so many well-worn ideas out there about how you should do stuff, how you should make things, even the three act structure that you just talked about there, Lucy. I mean, you know, that's, that's the same with like writing a script, you know, like the, the, it's like, well, you got to do it this way. Act one's got to be about the problem. Act two's got to be like the, the, you know, them exploring it. And act three's got to be like the denouement of that. Um, and what you get with that is, you get you certainly get like things that are considered to be like commercially viable i.e they might be more likely to get made because the people that have got the the arbiters of that recognize it as a as as an accepted form of storytelling if you like but what you then get is a lot of cookie cutter formulaic stuff mm. which which isn't very original so i guess you guys have got a choice really because it was just quite interested to hear you talk then about well i guess maybe we should do it that way next time maybe we will look at that maybe we'll we will look at these sort of you know kind of received wisdoms about format and structure but then maybe you run the risk of doing something which is less honest and as you, the word you used authentic mm-hmm. you know is that something that you've considered like about yeah head, heading into the next thing I think um well one thing that I noticed about you know the people that have kind of um told me about that and then also the films that I've watched with the awareness that that structure exists it's actually male it's men who make those films and have designed that structure so this is something only that I've thought about later not during the process of making the film but that it's actually maybe an opportunity for like as a as a woman to tell stories in whatever way we want to tell them and we don't have to fit into a structure that was potentially designed by men and male filmmakers and male storytellers it's just a thought, but I think it's definitely something that I will consider going into the next project, that maybe that structure will make sense, but maybe we want to keep doing something in our own way because that's what, I guess, what a, a huge part of doing, of making films. And, you know, like I wanted distinctly to work with a female filmmaker and to do the project like to focus it on the women involved in surf Ghana and the women's surf history and that type of thing so then to take that and then fit it into a structure a story structure that is designed by likely designed and continued by majority men doesn't necessarily make sense well it's good to know the rules isn't it but it doesn't mean you have to follow them Mm. (laughs) well I guess also it's like you know I we because we are new to this, we have a, we're able to pick and choose what we want to, what advice we want to take, and and what um, what sort of structures we want to follow. And I think we'd be crazy to ignore like years and years and years of filmmaking and advice and and development 
but also it doesn't mean that we can't have our own spin on it as well. Mm. And I, I, and that's what I'm excited about. I've had like a few conversations with people recently and talking about the fact that you can often tell when it's a woman behind the camera and a woman directing. And I don't, I couldn't specifically say why, but um, you, I was chatting to Lucy from Right to Rome the other day and we were saying, it's, isn't it interesting that you can, you know, you can often, um, there's, there is, there is a difference. There's a tangible difference between male filmmaking and female filmmaking. And, um, you know, it's something that I think maybe we'll learn more about or we'll, you know, be able to describe better than I am right now in the future. <laughs> no, I mean, but I, I think that's why, but I think there's, a, there's definitely an appetite for it, isn't there? And it's interesting that like, you, you know, like you two, and I'm thinking of uh, Lauren Hill as well with the nose riding mm-hmm. film to a certain degree like it's it's interesting that those less conventional narratives are um, even saying less conventional feels wanky to be honest because <laughs> that that that's putting the same sort of lens on it but you know what i mean like um th- and 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 you know this film's obviously going down really well lauren's film's obviously gone down really well there is an appetite for it i think i think a lot of what you just talked about maddie personally rests upon again a bit of an assumption about like I think a lot of those conventions are about pandering to an audience as well. I think there's a lot of there's a lot of like, well, we need to make it this way because otherwise people won't get it. You know, like we need to package mm. it in a certain way. And I think that's often not true. I think there's a real like like yeah. like you're saying, Lucy. There's literally millions of that of that of of examples of that perspective in art and culture and creativity. And I think there's probably a little bit of room for for some alternative perspectives. Um, that, I mean, even, even in surfing. Yeah, yeah, I think I was going to say. I think particularly in in surfing, like there hasn't been a lot of films made by women about women. You know, even Girls Can't Surf was made by man. It was amazing, and it and I'm so glad that they made that film. It's my favorite surf film after Yama obviously um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, <laughs> um, but I think that you know there is there's huge potential for um, as more women start to uh, are making films and featuring women and telling stories about women and that the, the traditional form and structure that a surf film might take doesn't have to continue for everyone um we don't have to just jump into the the the, um the sort of yeah the structure ideas that already exist and um I think that that's pretty cool I think also like I don't know just thinking back now we it was such a blessing in the fact that like we had obviously Project Blank supported the project um like supported us filming it but then in terms of like it just dawned on me that it never really crossed my mind that people wouldn't want to watch it or because the the topic matter for me is one that I've thought about a lot and, you know, have been exploring in my own way for a long time. And so it doesn't feel controversial anymore, really. Whereas it still very much is to a lot of people, I'm sure. And so it actually never really crossed my mind that people, you know, that we were almost making a bit of a statement or that people wouldn't, wouldn't like the film which I actually think was a real blessing because then we just kind of made it how we wanted to make it without that kind of trying to, that sort of appeasement kind of crossing our minds. 
and it's only now that I'm yeah. like, oh yeah, God, I'm glad people like it. <laughs> that would have been, <laughs> would have been bad. <laughs> do, you, do you think, do you think like, because again, what you're saying there is like, you didn't really think about the audience. You just made the film that you wanted to make, which is again, like one of the mm. paradoxes of creativity because you only get the good stuff when, when I think anyway, personally, when you're not worrying about what people are going to think, but then it, the longer it goes on, the harder I think that becomes, especially the more of a platform that you get and the more like, expectations people put on you as a, as a person, like, mm. you know, that, that it's like, well, they do that, you know? So if you, I mean, you see it in music, don't you? Like when, mm. when bands do that difficult second album and, uh, <laughs> and everyone's like, what the fuck, what happened to the first one? You know, like, so do you think that will impact the way you make future things? Do you think you'll have the audience more in mind or do you think you'll, you'll stick to your guns creatively and, and, continue to please yourselves with the, you know, the evidence <laughs> to be perfectly honest i had not thought about it until right now <laughs> my main priority for the next my main priority for the next project is that it's a really good story yeah um that's <laughs> basically like, as far as it goes <laughs> i have like little certain voices <laughs> in my head like i had um I've got like a couple of my friends are filmmakers as well. And I was like, oh, as we were doing the whole thing, I was like, oh, I know they wouldn't like that shot or, oh, I wonder what they think of that. And also I had Sandy and Justice and I was like, are we, mm. are we doing them justice with this? But it's, yeah, mm. it's funny that the audience didn't really come to mind. Um, not because we're not like grateful that people want to see it, but literally until the premiere, I was like, oh, oh my God, I hope people like it. <laughs> <laughs> I know, at the premiere, I sat down at the premiere and was like looking around going, oh my yeah. gosh, do they like it? <laughs> 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 Trying to get look at people's reactions on their faces because I, for the first time, was thinking, oh my gosh, I, yeah, we've just made this film and I've got everyone in this cinema to watch it and hope they hope it's going to be hope they're going to like it it's going to make sense yeah <laughs> like we were talking about that during the process and, and that kind yeah. of thing but um I don't think we definitely Didn't weren't thinking you know this is like how what an audience will expect so this is what we have to deliver or anything like that it was more about yeah. how are we going to represent people in a good way and you know uh, try and and contribute to um changing narratives and not just reinforcing old stereotypes and that kind of thing so that was bigger took up more mind space definitely yeah I think because we didn't tell anyone that it was Ghana too until we launched the trailer mm. so so it's almost like people had no expectations so we couldn't disappoint <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know, another good position to be in. <laughs> um, how, how are you doing for time, Maddie? Because I know you were a bit on the clock. So um, are, you, are you all right? Yeah, I'm okay. Yeah, I'm fine. Because um, I had a quick question for you. Like, how much of a technical challenge was it for you? Because obviously you, you were a one-woman band out there. Like, drones, water footage, like, like a lot <laughs> going on. Interviews, like, the, the you know, that... How how was that technically for you to sort of manage all that? Yeah, um, it, there were there were points that were really difficult. So like I, uh, um, the sound element was really difficult because I'm just completely self taught. I've kind of only kind of been able to gather the skills that I've learned from working with people or um, 
have learned on YouTube or practice and things. And so it's kind of with sound, I think that was where I really sort of thought um, it became clear to me that I kind of needed to do a bit more work on it. And so whilst we were out there, that's definitely one of those things that for the next film, I'll kind of, you've just got to have good sound. And it's luckily we managed to make it work. And, um, and the music was actually um, a massive like the, the fact that the soundtrack was so good, I think made up for the fact that some of the audio on the interviews maybe wasn't as clear as it could have been. Um, but yeah, that side of it, I found really, really challenging, especially in post because you're kind of looking at the sound going like, I just, I just do not know what to do with this. Um, so that put me out of my comfort zone a lot. I think in terms of like the visuals, it was such a beautiful place. And obviously Lucy's surfing was amazing and it's so colorful and everyone was just like everyone that we worked with were just really great and like really natural in front of the camera. So, um, that side of it was uh, like just amazing. It, to be honest, like, I think it's some of the best stuff I've ever filmed. So it's nice to kind of look back on a project and be like, Oh, that really is my best work. Um, and then, yeah, some of the, some of the water stuff was a little bit challenging, like, need to get sponsored by Aquatech, maybe. <laughs> get, get a decent housing. <laughs> yeah, was there was subtle. a few... That was, re- that there was really subtle. <laughs> <laughs> there were a few technical difficulties um, along the way that, um, I mean, at the end you couldn't tell, but there were a few, <laughs> a few housing fog-ups. Yeah. I endorse yeah. the Aquatech sponsorship. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> also maddie's mac i mean Laddie, maddie's computer oh just God. died for like half the trip yeah oh god you had that going on right yeah um yeah it doesn't it definitely doesn't make me seem like the most professional person ever but it was just the mac like coping with the humidity it was just like nah <laughs> i think so <laughs> yeah um so yeah I think there was there was definitely like all the kind of from what I've heard classic kind of struggles with tech whilst Mm. in a hot country um yeah but for the most part I think it was yeah it was other than those three things (laughs) it was good (laughs) (laughs) so what's the plan for release because it's not actually out yet is it are you going to do like the festival circuits and all that stuff like what's how can people see it yeah, so we um, are submitting to film festivals. We've already been accepted into Dana Point, um, Oregon Documentary Film Festival and Florida Surf Film Festival um, and a couple in Australia too, the Flotsam Festival and the Gold Coast in May. And, yeah, basically over this year we're just going to keep it to festivals and then potentially release it online at the start of next year. Um there are a couple of music licenses that uh, we don't have enough money to renew for on- online release. So <laughs> we have like a year <laughs> to sort them out. <laughs> also another shout out for sponsorship. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Matt, we're taking advantage of your platform here. <laughs> yeah. Take that far away. That's what it's for. <laughs> there was a couple of there's, – there's one song in particular that's like, I mean – it just makes the this makes the film like the ending. Yeah. And, um, but if we can't get sponsorship, your license. Yeah, we we'll just <laughs> pay gonna, for it ourselves. We, I feel. Like. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, we basically 
<laughs> we could only afford a one-year license with our budget. So um, just hoping to solve that before we want to release it online. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, well, uh, well, let's 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 wrap it up because I know you you both. Um, I mean, you're still at work, Lucy, aren't you? Which is hilarious. Like, so, so very quickly then. So you 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 work in the New South Wales Parliament. Can I can I just can I just ask you about yeah. that? Like, so so you do have a fairly a bit of a double life going on right now. Yeah. So the whole double life thing is. I mean, it's a lot of work. On the day that we had the set, the um, we had. <sighs> We had a state election like three days before we premiered Yammer in Sydney. So <laughs> it's been a really intense, it was a really intense few months leading up and I was basically, you know, campaign, yeah, writing all these policies and doing all this media stuff and all that type of thing. And then I would just like finish work at six at my desk at home and eat my dinner and then sit back down again and start working on Yammer stuff till like 11.30 or midnight. And uh, so, yeah, basically I work for a Greens MP called Sue um, and I think we have a different voting system in Australia that allows a lot more independents and minor parties to have seats in Parliament uh, compared to the UK, which is great. So the Greens are a progressive party on we do a lot of stuff on climate and um, First Nations justice. And so, yeah, I work full time doing that kind of stuff, which is great. It was great for doing all the um, the promo for the film because I do a lot of media for work. So I, I knew, I know, like I already had experience in surf industry, but I just like knowing how to get something out there and get in front of people is something yeah. I do every day. So that was really useful. And also, producing a film has a lot of technical similarities to being an advisor to a politician because in a lot of ways you kind of produce their life. <laughs> it's like, you know, managing the logistics of staff, like making decisions on the kind of angles and pr approaches to things. It's managing and working with a lot of stakeholders. It's a lot of uh, kind of community engagement type of th thing. So, um, there are actually quite a few parallels between doing all that kind of thing with a film and doing it for work. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a big job and it's, it's interesting, but it's hard sometimes. Yeah. And you've just been crowdfunding to go and rep Australia as well, just to throw that into the, to the, the mix. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Yeah, I just got the call up to go and surf for the national team ISA Longboard World Title Championship in El Salvador, um, which is going to be on the 7th of May. So I had this big plan. It's my 30th on the, on the 6th of May and um, had this big plan and now that's all been scrapped and I'm going to spend my 30th on a Qantas flight. Oh. Uh, <laughs> 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 um, so luckily I have enough points now to go on the lounge, thankfully. And, nice. uh, <laughs> maybe that'll give me an give me an upgrade. Um, yeah. So, I, <laughs> um, so yeah, I've just I've just been crowdfunding um, to try and the like traveling in and out of Australia is just so since the pandemic, it's just been so expensive. So it's crazy. Um, My sister just came over from New South Wales. She lives in Ballingen. Just brought the family over, oh, and yeah. it's fucking ridiculous. Oh, it's honestly, and our domestic flights have just been like, so it's, 
It's just ridiculous. They they blame the war in Ukraine for friggin' everything, and actually, it's just all these bloody Qantas execs price gouging the shit out of everyone. And suddenly, you're paying nine hundred dollars to fly to Perth, and uh, which is where my family lives. So. <laughs> Yeah, it's I feel, annoying. I feel, but anyway, I feel your pain. Because yeah, I really need to get over there. I really need to go over and see my family, and I'm just a bit like, "Fucking hell, it's going to cost like thousands of pounds." But it yeah. was bad enough anyway. But yeah, and we anyway. would have really loved to have sort of been able to come over and go each way for each of our UK and Sydney premieres for the film too. But um, it just wasn't an option with the airlines, so that's annoying. Um, but yeah, so now just when I thought that. I was like, premiere's done. We're, I've got to have some downtime. Um, that's not happening and I'm going to El Salvador, which is awesome. <laughs> nice. Where is, nice. It? is it? Which spot is it? Sanzal or Punta Roca? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sanzal? Yeah. I don't know. Some right point looks good. It's sick, and what's that actually. for you, Maddie? Um, I am just kind of getting back into the swing of just like being a kind of working photographer and filmmaker here in Cornwall for the summer um I kind of yeah was just we were so non-stop with the project over winter that I didn't didn't work on too much else so I'm just kind of trying to remind people that I'm here <laughs> so like hi <laughs> I'm a photographer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um but it's nice I feel ready there was definitely a point in the film because there was like a point where I was like, oh my God, I feel like I'm never going to be able to work on another project again in terms of like almost fast anxious about doing other work again. But now I'm like, I feel ready for it. As soon as that weather gets a little bit better, I'm excited. <laughs> Sun's just come out actually. Yeah. I think we've got, we've got, we've got rare Brighton waves today. So I might go for a surf after oh, this. Enjoy. Yeah. yeah. But hey, thanks so much for doing it. Um, glad we got there in the end. Worked our mic issues out and all that boring <laughs> bullshit. Um, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna, put, I'm gonna put this out on uh, Sunday next week. So cool. um, I might see if Toza wants to do some Zoom pictures of you two. If I mean, Lucy, yeah. we've got some of you from last time, yeah. but um, but I might see if that's possible. So um, I, I might do an email with you guys and see if it can be can be worked out. But yeah, thanks very much. So there you go. That was me, Maddie and Lucy, and I hope you enjoyed it. I really can't recommend the film highly enough. It's not out yet, as you probably gathered, but make sure you follow them both on Instagram. Um, Lucy is Saltwater Pilgrim and Maddie, I think he's Maddie Meddings. Um, so follow them both and support them. It's very rare to see people documenting surfing in such a thoughtful and original way. And as you might have gathered, I do try and use this platform to support people who are doing just that. Now, also... And forgive me as I move into prime housekeeping corner territory. Keener listeners will note that's my second mention of the phrase values gap in two weeks. Um, I think we might even have a new entry on the looking sideways bingo card, to be honest. But I make no apologies because um, I was thinking about this afterwards. and I was a bit like, oh, God, here I go harping on again. Um, but then I was like, well, a big part of the appeal of doing looking sideways for me personally is the way it can help me understand the world in different ways that's why you know the whole examining life through the lens of surf skate and snow is is the tagline because like, like i often say there is good a lens as any through which to view these issues um, and anyone claims that anyone who claims that surfing skating and snowboarding some like keep politics out of it man um are being very disingenuous or just aren't paying close enough attention if you ask me 
So that's why I talk about it. And judging from the correspondence I get from listeners in some interviews, I'm not the only one who finds the podcast useful in this way. Uh, there's also an element of me using these conversations and transactions to work out my own understanding of these concepts in real time, which is kind of what's been going on the last couple of episodes. I had a comment recently after the Stan Evans episode from friend of the show, Rebecca Olive, where she said something like, it's really good to hear you try to work out your own position on these topics in real time. Now, at the time, when I saw that comment, I wasn't too sure how to respond really, because there's part of me, the fragile, egotistical part of me, that immediately takes a comment like that as a, accomplicable and that what there's a hidden implication that in doing so I'm being really clumsy and crass but you know I know that that's not what Rebecca meant and I know what she was really doing was praising the fact that I'm prepared to put myself out there and be vulnerable about this stuff um like I said the other week another possible bingo card entry this it's good to learn how to take a compliment every now and again um but interesting on this topic digression alert Another example of this um, thought process that I have is when people send me messages that say things like, you've had some great guests recently, or I've really enjoyed these last few episodes. I mean, they're being nice, obviously, but my ego always pipes up to say, so what, they thought the rest of them were shit, which is obviously not what was meant or is implied, but is how my subconscious seems to take it anyway. Ah, the destructive power of self-doubt and that pesky inner voice, eh? But anyway back on track here i promise i'll try not to harp on about the values gap too much um and my thanks to maddie and lucy for humoring me as i plowed on with that conversational foro about creativity um but thanks guys really enjoyed it and if you enjoyed this episode out there why not leave me a comment on substack more and more people are doing that and i particularly enjoyed a couple of comments on there after the stephen kotler episode last week which very much polarized the audience for everybody that that was a bit like thank god you've got a life hacker on here like all the other podcasts there was there was quite a few people that were like god that guy was very american and uh, didn't let you get a word in edgeways did he why'd you get him on but i stand by it i thought it had a lot of value um leslie mckenna in particular did leave me a typically cerebral comment which made me rethink the entire conversation and wished i'd pushed him a little harder on the fact that he's blatantly using this flow conversation just to sell his flow academy really um which i think is quite evident um especially as all last week i've been getting ads on instagram for that um so you know i think that that's one of the good things about for me about having this direct interaction with listeners in this way because basically it means the continue the conversations continue to evolve long after we've put the mics down and i continue to think about what i think about these issues that was a clumsy sentence wasn't it sorry everyone um and work it out as we go like we're all doing in life life oh life eh all right well on that cliched bombshell um although that was obviously a joke um so don't at me um that's it for now i'll be back soon with another episode but in the meantime thanks for listening i'll see you next time nice one